You are listening to the Body Charge podcast, and I'm your host, Sandy Sanderson. Welcome. Today's podcast is how to overcome performance anxiety. And my special guest is Dr. Eddie O'Connor. He is a fellow and certified mental performance consultant through the Association for Applied Sports Psychology and a member of the United States Olympic Committee Sports Psychology Registry. He is a sought-after expert by the media and has appeared on Fox News, Sirius XM's Dr. Radio, quoted in several publications such as ESPN, NBA, Los Angeles Times, Runner's World, NY Mag, and CNN. He is also the author and host of The Psychology of Performance, How to Be Your Best in Life by the Great Courses. So, Dr. O'Connor, why does performance anxiety, excessive psychological stress, and a fear of failure inhibit performance in any area, not only in athletics? Can you give us some examples of what happens typically? Absolutely. The first thing about it is that it's normal. So this is why everybody goes through it. Um, And why it happens is because of our survival instinct. So, so many of my clients, athletes and non-athletes alike, have a negative relationship with their anxiety. They think performance anxiety is a problem. And what I've discovered, what I help them realize, is that it's their survival instinct. And it's actually very, very useful. You think about it yourself. In anything that you care about, you're supposed to be nervous about it. And I say that because if you care about what the outcome is going to be, then, of course, your mind is going to generate ideas about, hey, what might go wrong? This is not pathological. When we start to interact with it, however, with obsessive thoughts, we start fighting with our internal thoughts or feelings and try to change it, or what's often pretty common when people say, oh, just think positive and just relax. And we try to fight our thoughts and our emotions to bring them to a a different state. That's what interferes with our performance. Because as I like to tell my basketball players, for example, you can't fight your anxiety and play basketball at the same time. Same thing would be the case for you. If you were all nervous about this production and our interview, we wouldn't be able to have a genuine conversation. If you were um, studying for a test and uh, you want to do well on that test in the next day, if you're thinking about how much you might fail and what, what's going to happen if you don't graduate, you can't concentrate on the questions in front of you. So in a short story, performance anxiety ends up being something that is really beneficial to warn us of danger that could come in. And our power is how do we choose to respond to that anxiety, not whether we feel it or not. Yeah. So, uh, well, so what what it does anxiety when we think about well, well, we have to be sharp and we have to be clear in our mind, and when we have the um, the motivation to perform and we've got to be at our best, adrenaline starts pumping and the heart starts racing and circulation moves faster and we breathe more. Um, And so that delivers more nutrient, more oxygen to the brain. The adrenaline kicks in and pushes more calcium into the cells and magnesium, which is our relaxing mineral, comes out and calcium moves in and pulls everything together. It helps the muscles to squeeze. And so we need that kind of a trigger to prepare the whole body, the muscles, the cardiovascular system, everything for a quick burst of energy or whatever we have to do. It might be on the stage if you're a performer, it might be you know, a sport event, 
um, or it might be a show like this. So how it affects me is before <laughs> before the show or any kind of um, lecture or thing that I have to do in front of people, um, my my system clears itself out. I have to go to the bathroom literally three or four times right before I start. And so I'm completely empty and ready to go. <laughs> it's yeah. it's, it's uh, an amazing experience. But when when you're on the right cue and everything is prepared and your body is ready, then you you can perform at your utmost best. The the problem I think with people suffering from chronic anxiety is there's no reason for the anxiety and then it starts to overwhelm them and if you have too much adrenaline pumping you're peeing out way too much magnesium you've got too much calcium floating around in the body making things tight and stiff um and it's it's um it it works against you it's very debilitating it causes a lot of acidity and a lot of health problems downstream as well so i think rather than avoiding uh, anxiety, we need to be mindful of when is the right time to have that experience so that you can perform your best at a real event for a real reason and that, that you're feeling that anxiety appropriately. Would you agree? I would say with 95%. So what I love about what you had said is the biological explanation. You said it in such a positive and excited terms and that's the way I would love for my clients and the listeners to, to recognize that, that when every time, honestly, you feel anxiety, it is your body preparing for action. And everything that you described, while it may be very unpleasant, it doesn't always feel good. Sometimes we don't like when our heart is racing and our muscles are tense. The function of that anxiety is to protect us. It is to have the energy to do what needs to be done. So there are really two things that you can do. One is... A big difference is, well, how am I interpreting it? If I'm seeing it as like, oh my gosh, I'm anxious. I've got an anxiety disorder. I, I shouldn't be anxious. This is problematic. I'm scared something must be wrong. When we interpret it negatively in that way, then we're, it's going to have the debilitating effects. Again, because as I said earlier, it distracts us from what we're doing. However, if we can understand that in each and every occasion, our body is preparing for action and it's facilitative. Our body doesn't do things to us that aren't, you know, aren't for a really good reason. And this is where the only part that I would disagree with you on is that if you're anxious, you there is a reason that you are. There are always real reasons. Now, it may not be objectively true. I might be afraid of getting struck by lightning. And well, it's not raining. And so we might say, well, that's not necessarily, uh, I shouldn't be anxious. It's not raining. It's not realistic. I've got an anxiety problem. Or we could just understand that, hey, you know what? I care very much about my life. Maybe I had struck by lightning once before. And it's my brain just warning me of something that could possibly happen. And therefore, because I am thinking about it, I should be anxious. So I invite the listeners here to please, if you're worried about things that you don't feel like you should be, understand that you should be anxious because you're thinking about them. And then you get to ask, is it worth concentrating on this or not? So again, if it's not raining, I might be like, you know what? My mind is really afraid of getting hit by lightning, but you know what? I don't have to pay attention to it right now. I don't have to stop it, but I could just understand that for whatever reason, this is really important to me. And the, the lightning might be a silly example, but we can do this with our finances. We do it with our sport performances. We do it like we worry about our kids and what might happen to them. And people say, oh, don't worry about it. They'll be fine. But all those reassurances, they never work. 
because the reassurances aren't based in any more reality than our anxiety is. It's all about how do we relate to the, the healthy warnings that our anxious mind is giving us. And the fact is, is that we have to choose to invest in it or not. And that's what is the difference between high performance and being disabled. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I do agree with you that there is um, a, a, always a good reason for these chemicals to flow through the body, for your body to send out adrenaline. It may, We may not always understand the good reason why. And, and it's right. It's about interpretation. And then we come to the chicken and egg system so for instance if your body is dehydrated you can have feelings of anxiety adrenaline will be pumping because your body is telling you you need to do something like drink water because there's not enough water resources for for flushing the system so we can get headaches we can get um, all sorts of symptoms for merely from dehydration and then the mind may pick some reasons to attach to that feeling of why is this adrenaline pumping? Why do I feel anxious? And then we might get it wrong. Um, so it's about mindfulness to work out what is my body trying to tell me? What are what are these signals for their messages? There, I need to do something and I need to work out what the problem is to solve it. Yeah, so yeah, it I is love the that same. You said the, the chicken and egg, it's a very good point because it is bi-directional. If I've got anxious thoughts that might start there and then it'll activate my body. And it's just as much that we've seen this particularly with panic disorders, for example, where the you go up the stairs and your heart rate goes up and then you kind of interpret that as, oh no, is that is that panic? Is that is that anxiety? Is it coming back? And then it wasn't, you were just going up the stairs, but now your hypersensitivity and interpretation of negativity or danger in those physical symptoms now creates that back and forth where the body and mind play off of each other. You're exactly right. Yeah. So, so as a psychologist for the, for um, athletes, um, your, you work with them to help them with that mindfulness to interpret things the right way and then use that to actually make performance better. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think my most powerful work comes with not only athletes, but any high achievers where they're in this high stress environment. And what they get benefit out of is our first conversation, always where I normalize it. I can't tell you how many hundreds of, of athletes and non-athletes I've, I've said, there's nothing wrong with you. And they're like, really? Because it feels that way. And I'm like, no, like you're trying to beat and beat a whole bunch of people and everybody's coming after you. What's not to be nervous about? There is a real chance that you might lose. There's a real chance that you could embarrass yourself. There's a real chance that if you make a mistake, people are going to be disappointed. That doesn't sound pathological. That doesn't sound crazy. So it's of course normal. you should be, of course you should be worried about it. And they're like, well, I never thought of it that way. I mean, if you look at the things that you're worried about, I'm talking to everybody who's listening. I promise you that whatever you're worried about is the other side of what you care the most about. Again, your job, your finances, your kids, your future, your health. You're worried about it because you care about it. And if you just start off there, that's going to put you in a framework where you can actually then do something about it. And that's where the sports psychology aspect comes in because we're all about, it doesn't matter if I'm confident and feel good. If I don't score more points than another person, I can't win. It's all about the doing. It's the same thing. I could think about being healthy and I could think about being loving, but if I don't act in healthy ways, if I don't act in loving ways, my health and my relationships are going to be terrible. It's about the doing. So the magic question that I'd like to be sure to get to that for your, your listeners to, to interact with their thoughts and feelings on, is it serving me or not? 
Is it moving me in the direction that I want to go or not? Is it helping me or is it hurting me? What is the function of what I'm thinking? Because sometimes my anxiety helps me very much. It gets me to prepare for that competition because I'm afraid I'm going to lose. It makes me set my alarm clock early so that I'm prepared to be on time. And sometimes I just get caught up in my head and it hurts. And I'm worried about the future that I can't control and I'm distracted and it affects my performance. It actually doesn't even matter whether it's right or wrong, good or bad, positive or negative. If I am sitting and thinking that I'm a wonderful psychologist, you would think, well, that's good. You should have high self-esteem. But if it's making me be all self-absorbed and not really pay attention to my client because I think I know what I'm doing and not pay attention to details to prepare, then I'm going to suck at it. <laughs> and so, I can have all the confidence in the world, but it would be taking away this positive thinking from my actual ability to perform. That's right. And people can over-worry about things too. And then that can be a block because um, the the problems get so big in their mind, insurmountable, that it creates procrastination. So there's always a balance, isn't there, between those two sides? And that's where, when you had mentioned mindfulness earlier, was you know my heart warmed because it has really been found that mindfulness is one of the most powerful mediators of all therapeutic change in, in psychology. And the reason for that is because it allows you to detach and get out of the content of what you're thinking and feeling so that you have the opportunity to look at it and say, hey, is this moving me in the right direction or not? And to your point, if I just stay stuck in my internal head and, and psychological experience, that doesn't really allow me the ability to actually do things outside of my own body and affect my environment and participate in it. So that ability to use mindfulness to objectively observe the experience of thinking and feeling and relate to them as experiences, as opposed to the getting attached to the content as, as, as truth is a huge difference. Do you use other kind of physical techniques to help people focus more onto that balance point, such as breathing techniques, because getting more oxygen into the system helps the brain, helps um, overcome the negative side of anxiety? So sure. Um, by all means, uh, breathing techniques can help. One of my favorites, especially when people are really caught in their head, is, is called a, a grounding technique. And it's based in mindfulness where you want to, again, let go of your thoughts. And I say, like, look at five things in your immediate environment. So if I look around, I see the refrigerator, I see the pictures on the wall, I see the chair, I see my computer, and I see you and I see my phone. What are four things that I hear? Now there's a dog barking outside, the air conditioner's going on, two more things. Uh, what do I feel? I feel myself sitting in the chair. I feel the warm air in the room. I, I feel, uh, I don't know, the, the itch actually that I have on my nose right now. Two things that I can uh, 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 smell, you know, sense in the room, and one thing that I could taste. So five, four, three, two, one across the senses. And you find when you do that, all of a sudden you've stopped thinking because you're observing and you're in the present moment because everything is there. And that's a wonderful reset that you can do throughout the day. Um, and especially when you're overwhelmed or stressed out, this five, four, three, two, one observing technique can be really, really powerful. Uh, I think it's to do with the brain waves. So when we're in alpha during that restful meditative state, um, we have access to more information and the left side of the brain isn't putting out so many beta staccato uh, interference signals. So so um, that's when we get creativity. That's when we get 
we hone in on focus, that's when people move into the zen of something. So when when you watch high performance athletes and they're doing an amazing feat, you can see that they're tapping into something else outside other than their just conscious thinking self. Something else takes over. They they're prepared. They're almost on autopilot because they're allowing all the work in the preparation to take over and get it right, to get that bullseye. Exactly right. Another way to describe it in in the terms that I was saying here too is they're so focused on the present moment and they're so detached from their internal thinking experience and their attention is out in the right now, but also a close attachment to what's important to them and what their goal is and the moment to moment environment that's changing. And, and it, it stops there. It has to stay in that simplicity because as you add more cognitive or emotional factors, then it dilutes their focus on the performance. And, and you've got to know that you're going to get it. You've got to focus visually on that on that bullseye because if you start to doubt, if you have any inkling of doubt, you balk yourself, you start to sabotage yourself, you lose your balance by thinking, well, what if something goes wrong? You can't afford to think like that in the moment of the performance You've just got to go through the motion of knowing it's going to be great. It's going to work. Well, that actually sounds like you're still trying to manipulate positive thinking, which is the big error that I see people getting into. And now, by if I were going to tell my athletes that, now they're going to be afraid of thinking negative or or having an anxious thought show up. And now I've got to fix it. And oh my gosh, you hear what I'm talking about? Now we're actually in this whole thing of trying to control thoughts and feelings again. So while I agree that that's what can actually happen, the process that I teach my athletes in like my my success stories community, for example, an online community they have, we we work on this uh, a lot and it works really well, is the mindfulness is really for the noticing because nobody stays in the flow zone. It's impossible to stay there. When you notice that you're not in it, you just say, oh, this isn't helpful. Let me think about what's important now the person in front of me, the job I have to do, the question I'm trying to answer, present moment and go back. And if you allow yourself the permission to go back and forth and realize that this is really much more of a process of refocusing throughout your performance, as opposed to like, I'm doing it right and I'm doing it wrong and I have to get back. You're you're not wrong, Sandy. Like if I am caught up in my thoughts and feelings, things are going to fall apart. But I don't want the listeners to be afraid of it because that's going to happen to everybody. In this podcast already, my mind has wandered and I've had to bring it back because that's just what the human mind does. But if you accept that that's the process and you just dedicate yourself to the reorienting and the refocusing and you practice that for the rest of your life, I promise you'll get better. Yes, it's always walking on that balance beam, isn't it? I think what I meant more was maintaining a a level of confidence. Well, I found with myself that if I self-doubt, if if negative thoughts creep in, I lose my confidence. If I focus on the target and I I visualize getting there, then it always works better. So it's a question of maintaining that confidence level so as not to sabotage. Yes and no. Again, I'm going to say this. When I'm confident, I perform better too. I'm absolutely not arguing with the benefits of confidence. But have you ever done anything, Sandy, when you weren't confident? Yes. And, and I, I achieve more when I push through my self-doubt because I always surprise there myself. Go. There we go. And I realized and it was all to... an illusion. <laughs> well, yes, 
See, the confidence is just another way of, again, evaluating our environment. And it may or may not have anything to do with, with it. Like, again, in sports, there are people who don't even deserve to be confident. But I still have to play you anyway. If, if you're ranked number two in the world and I'm ranked number 728, I have no right to be confident that I'm going to beat you. But that should not affect my effort, my attention. Because I have no idea if you might be injured. I have no idea if you're overconfident. The only thing I can control is how I play against you. And I might be able to still give 100% effort even though I'm not confident because how I feel and what I think is independent of what I do. And in performance, it always comes down to what I do. So I encourage my athletes and other performers to do no matter what you think and feel and kind of devalue the importance and really get rid of the whole idea that I need to be confident and think positive so that I can perform well. It's a heck of a lot easier if I have them all together but that's where most of my clients really struggle is because they've given into this rule that I have to be positive and I have to be confident so that I can act. And it's simply not true. Is it, isn't it a question of giving over to a good training program and then following the bouncing ball and learning to be brave? Because as we've established, we, we, it's normal and we need to feel a certain level of fear Um before a performance, before doing something that may have negative consequences if we don't do it right. However, if we've prepared the right way, we can push through that fear and just follow the program, just keep going, and you end up surprising yourself. There we go. Now now you're hitting my, my language. You've said so many behavioral things there. Preparation. I mean, anytime I have an athlete that wants to build their confidence, that's the first place I go. It's not an emotional state. I'm saying, well, why, why should you build confidence? How do I build confidence? You prepare. Confidence is a natural side effect of preparation. So number one, love that you had mentioned preparation. And then you mentioned the word brave, which at first I was like, oh, there's another emotion, but actually not really, because what bravery is, is feeling fear and acting in a way as if you weren't. It, like yeah. you, you can't be brave if you're not scared. Yeah. So bravery actually implies that there is something that normally the average person might run away from or shy away from, but you're behaviorally taking action to move yourself forward. So I do like that word bravery in this context. And your third point, which is absolutely true, again, the reason for the Success Stories community is because this isn't something that you're just born with. You can absolutely develop it. There are skills and drills and, and ways that you can actually practice and develop these things so you get better at it over time. So no matter how good or bad you are at it now, you can be better at it tomorrow with practice. Yes, it's reprogramming the mind, isn't it? Getting rid of old bad habits and replacing with good ones. Absolutely. That's why you need a good sports psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Well, I'm sure people will get a lot out of this podcast and they'll probably want to know more. So where should they go if they, they want to learn more about what you do? Oh, great. Yeah, thank you. Um, so it's real easy, dreddieoconnor.com, B-R-E-D-D-I-E-O-C-O-N-N-O-R. And what I have on there for you are a lot of links to my social media for some free resources. I've got uh, Mental Toughness in 60 Seconds on YouTube and lots of resources that I like to give out. But I'd, again, like to highlight, um, if you go to the website and you click the membership uh, tab, uh, it is Success Stories Community. And it's an online platform where you can learn and develop these strategies over time and really overcome those obstacles that are holding you back, like a lack of confidence or inconsistency, fear and doubt, lack of motivation, and learn how to develop that resilience so that you can be successful no matter what you think and feel. Yes, yeah, all about resilience, isn't it? And and uh, 
that self-discipline, that bravery and the, the right program and the right um, protocol, the right training. Um, and I think, um, you know, then people can feel empowered. They don't feel like like a victim. They don't feel like, you know, something else is running the show. They can be empowered to, if it has to be, it's up to me kind of thinking, you know, I can do this. Yeah. I can. I know I love I what you're saying. And it's so true because ultimately the scary part is, is that we are responsible for our results. And we have a culture where a lot of people blame others or need this help or this or that. But ultimately it's both great and scary because I would rather me be the one in charge of my life than giving the, that responsibility to somebody else. But then it's like, oh my gosh, I'm the one in charge. I got to do this. Yeah. And that's what the success stories community is about. It's about taking these principles that we all know that may be cliche, but your experience has probably been, gosh, it's a lot harder to do it than to just know what to do. And that's what the community is about is being able to get that support and discipline training so that you can develop those skills over time. And when you, when you get better, when you have those triumphs, however big or small, it feels so good. <laughs> oh, it does. Yeah. It's the, the, the biggest bliss. So yeah. So um, we're about creating joy and bliss and a better life. And thank you for helping to share what you know with people. I'm sure it's going to be great. And perhaps in the future, we can talk about more things to do with the psychology of performance. Thank you. Oh, so I'd much. love to. Yeah, thank you very much. And best wishes to your listeners. I'm, I'm happy to help. Okay, bye-bye. I hope you like this conversation and we'll share it with others. Hear more from Body Charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on blogs, podcasts, videos, and magnesium special offers at electromagnesium.com.au. Relax, recharge, and recover.